My first time was terrifying. My first time was scary. Exciting. Shocking. Traumatic. Sad. Awkward. Weird. Uncomfortable. It's depressing. A relief. I thought I was dying. Meh. <laughs> My first time was horrifying. <laughs> My first time was empowering. My first time. First time. My first time. My name is Janet Mbogwa. I'm a media personality from Kenya, the founder of the award-winning Inuadado Foundation, author of My First Time, which has inspired this podcast about first-time period stories, and I'm a mom of two amazing boys. It's important to me that we continue normalizing and mainstreaming taboo conversations through diverse voices, because when everyone is included, everyone wins. Yasmin Mohammed is one of the most formidable voices in menstrual health in Kenya. In our conversation, she talks about her passion for activism, how we can prioritize menstrual health, and the issues facing vulnerable women and girls. She also has a strong message of action for the government. Period poverty is a lack of access to menstrual products, education, hygiene facilities, waste management, or a combination of these. It affects an estimated 500 million people worldwide. That's from a women's health study published in 2021. People who experience period poverty are unable to purchase the menstrual products they need. And in many cases, this means that they cannot go to school or work or otherwise participate in daily life. Period poverty causes physical, mental, and emotional challenges. It can make people feel shame for menstruating and the stigma surrounding periods prevents individuals from talking about it. Before we delve deeper into period poverty and the activism needed to address this social injustice, we have Yasmin, who's going to share her first-time story. Yasmin. Um, thank you very much, Janet. Well, um, that was a nice intro. <laughs> okay, so my, my, my first-time story um, in regards to period, it was, uh, I was in grade 7 at Olympic Primary School in Kibra. And uh, why am I mentioning where I'm coming from? Because again, it has a lot to do with period poverty. So in class seven, afternoon um, session, pop, there my menses like um, I started menstruating. I was um, afraid and ashamed at the same time. Cause um, okay, so how I, how the class set up was? I was sitting right behind the classroom, and uh, you can imagine like um. You've soiled your cloth, you're not even informed, you are not prepared of everything and um, you need to like stand up and uh, again move forward or even just it's time to go home, you need to go back home. So for me it was um, one, I'll say hell uh, of, a, of an experience because I, I wasn't prepared at all and I had to wrap my sweater and you know Olympic primary uniforms are light blue in color so it was like a pop this the stain was really showing so i wrapped my sweater around my waist and um when home time reached i went home but again you know i was raised um under the custody of my grandma and uh, my grandmother was um had limited information on matters of menstrual health even just the formal education because um with the community that i come from the nubian community uh, their generation, they didn't have the privilege of going to school. So I was very dependent on uh, cultural and traditional values. At one point, I felt like they were denying me some of my rights. So um, I was really um, scared to even sharing with my grandma. 
And I ended up like tearing one of um, the old clothes at home and started using it. So I end, um, I used the rugs for quite some time. And at one point I, I got infections with the, followed by itchiness and all that. So I, I was lucky enough to be recruited in one of the organizations because um, I was an orphan. I'm actually an orphan as uh, we are speaking. So the organization recruits bright and um, needy, vulnerable girls. So that's how I ended up um, being recruited in that organization. And um, at least I got uh, to be imparted with knowledge and information on sexual and reproductive health and rights, bodily autonomy, life skills, entrepreneurship, like so so many topics around women empowerment. It was a girl empowerment program. So that's why I started accessing um, these products as well as knowledge and information on sanitary towels. By, but uh, before then, uh, you can just imagine being driven by cultural um, practices, having a guardian who even doesn't have enough knowledge and information on matters of um, like uh, sexual and reproductive health and rights. And again, for them, by then, it was a taboo to speak about matters of uh, sexual and reproductive health and rights. And even then, they used to have them, or, or rather, they were using now the old drugs. So it was like a normal thing for them. And uh, they were forgetting that um, they were contributing to like um, health-related issues to women and girls. So that's my first time story. And um, it's a story that I will never forget because uh, it inspired and motivated me to uh, champion for menstrual health. Because again, not only me, but also other young girls and women from marginalized community as well as informal setups are lacking this access to information. And uh, I will say there, we, we, we are having other Yasmins out there who doesn't have this information. And it's high time we try as much as we can as champions, as um, agents who went through um, such kind of stories to just go out there and impact, have an impact on someone's life. So that's how I started off um, an organization called Superb. And I'll, I, I believe I'll have a, I'll have enough time to also speak about that initiative because um, with my personal experience, it's what inspired me to start off the organization. But with my first time story, it really inspired me to be a menstrual champion and to continuously advocate for matters of menstrual health. That's amazing. You are actually one of the strongest voices, I think, in the country, um, in Kenya, just in terms of always putting menstrual health education at the forefront. Yeah. You've even been recognized yeah. <laughs> at the presidential level, which mm -hmm. is amazing. But you also have this fire in you because I like speaking to menstrual champions. A lot of us care about access to products and information, mm -hmm. but few go beyond that and mm -hmm. say, I'm going to start a movement or mm -hmm. I'm going to start a conversation mm -hmm. and sustain it for several years mm -hmm. for something that's taboo, mm -hmm. for something that is shunned upon, mm -hmm. and for something that's such a normal mm -hmm. part of our lives, mm -hmm. and yet we're almost made to feel, I don't know, guilty mm -hmm. or disgusting for going through it. Mm -hmm. And you've talked about your own experience. Um, you've also talked about your cultural setup and yeah. how that was also... Um, part of the issue. But what do you think it is in you that made you say, I'm going to speak for other girls and women? Because you could have chosen to go through your experience, mm -hmm. get into, you know, you were fortunate enough to be picked as a bright mm -hmm. girl and get the education and go on with life. Mm -hmm. But you then came back and said, no, 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 we mm -hmm. need to fight for this. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is 
that made you say, this is unacceptable. Mm. This is not something that girls and women mm. should be struggling with. What's that mm -hmm. fire that made you want to do this? Um, okay. I'd say um, gender equality. You know, um, period poverty is one of the factors that um, hinders um, us from achieving gender equality. Period poverty has ripple effect on women and girls. When we talk about economic uh, empowerment, when we talk about political uh, aspects, social aspects, as well as education, these are some, but just a few of some of the things that we need to look at when addressing matters of um, menstrual health. So personally, me, out of like um, just uh, putting aside my personal experience, I was looking at um, when are we going to achieve gender equality when period poverty is not being addressed. Because we will not achieve this when we are leaving some of the things that hinders or rather are obstacles for women to realize their highest potential. So for me, is to see women sitting at high-level meetings not being like um, hindered by not accessing sanitary towels for me is to see women and girls like um studying or rather pursuing education to their highest level and not because they didn't have access to uh, sanitary towels that made them not go to school for me to for me is to see women and girls at economic sector like um achieving their dreams uh, so that um again when 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 it comes to matters to do with the econom economic activity and economic empowerment we are at par as we, as women and um, looking at um, the society that, that we live in, we're living in a very patriarchal society where patriarchy is deeply rooted. And um, when we leave like a patriarchy to continue like uh, giving men privilege and power, we will not like um, be in a level of addressing period poverty because again, for them, they see period or other menstruation as a taboo, menstruation as a um, something that they don't want to like uh, engage or rather having a conversation around because they are not women but again as um even as a, as a feminist because I'm also a feminist we are looking on ways on how we'll be able to engage patriarchs or rather the men as well in the conversation because they are our allies we are having girls who and women or even let me just use an example an example of a girl whom um, mother has died and um, she has been left under the custody of the father so how is the father going to um, enable this young girl to access period uh, products when they are distancing themselves from the conversation. So for me, I was just looking at the um, effects or rather the ripple effects around period poverty out of just my personal experience and seeing on how we'll be able to achieve gender equality. That's yeah. really looking at the bigger picture yes. because it is a huge, if you're looking at half a billion, like mm -hmm. 500 million women mm -hmm. and girls, mm -hmm. that really widens the gender yeah. equality gap. Yeah. Before we go into the work you're doing around CBO, let's talk a little bit about these ripple effects, which you've mentioned mm -hmm. about period poverty, mm -hmm. which I even mentioned at the beginning. Um, and we hear about these stories all the time. Mm -hmm. We hear about girls having to go through um, really difficult circumstances mm. to access products, mm. putting themselves in harm's mm. way, mm. dropping out of school and not mm. being able to perform. Mm. You've grown up in these settings and mm. this is something you advocate really mm. strongly mm. for. Tell us about the ripple effects of period poverty, mm. how it affects women and girls on a day-to-day -day basis, mm. what you see 
because it's what we're fighting for. So what do you see on a day-to-day basis? Um, on a day-to-day basis, I see girls missing school because they can't afford um, sanitary towels. And um, that is an, under the education aspect. Uh, girls cannot even perform well in their studies because they have that, those missed days. They didn't like um, go to schools because um, maybe they have health. They had health-related issues. We are having girls who are experiencing endometriosis. We are having girls who have very painful abdominal cramps during their menses, and those are just a few of the health-related issues that our women and girls are going through and um, makes them not to access education or rather go to school. That's making their performance to go down. And what does it mean? It means that at the end of the day, the like I will have men or rather the boy child uh, being top, or, or rather going to the top positions and girls going to the um, lowest position. And um, when we look at um, the education setup here in Kenya, when you don't, when you can't perform well, then um, it means that you will not like uh, pursue to your highest level of education. And um, again, when it comes to education, it, it usually makes um, our girls not to like um, proceed or how, I don't know how I'll put it, but uh, you see with the Kenyan education system, we are having curriculum. And um, if a girl misses school, then it means that uh, there's this part of the curriculum, she'll not be able to like um, um, be imparted on. So, what it means again on the education um, aspect, it means that our girls are being left behind in the Kenyan curriculum system. And um, again, looking at this academic year, we had only six months. And uh, for the six months, meaning that uh, the girls the girls who are menstruating for the six menstrual cycle, then they'll, they'll be having like a three to four days per month. Mm. And the three to four days per month are 24 days um, for the six months, which means that they'll miss 24 days for those girls who are coming from vulnerable households, for those girls who will not have access to these products. Meaning for the, for 24 days, that is like equivalent or rather estimated to be one month, they will not like a complete curriculum, making it hard for them to even perform well in the final um, examination, KCP as well as KCSE. And uh, what does it mean again? It means that uh, they will not be called to like best performing schools. It means that for those who are doing KCSE, they will not like be called to universities and colleges. And that will like put them off and shut their dream down. So it's something that we really need to put into consideration and just to let the government know that period poverty is something that we need to address day in, um, day out. Yeah. Then now when it comes to um, economic aspect, we are having a lot of women who are engaged into economic activities. And um, when a woman, especially speaking from the perspective of women who are casual laborers in Kibra, um, we are having women who cannot afford even just putting food on the table. We call them mamafua, mamamboga. And uh, for the mamafua, uh, per day, I'd say they might get like a 300, 300 Kenya shillings, which she will be like, will I buy food or will I go and buy sanitary towel for my girl and for me as well? And uh, it's really surprising because um, when we usually sit at the office at our organization, you find women like um, the adult women popping in and requesting for support for sanitary towels. And for us is to just uh, empower them economically or at our level best. We are having economic 
empowerment activities like um, we usually make liquid multipurpose soaps. We are engaged into urban farming and also we call the table banking activities. Then we talk to them and try to convince them if they can join us um, or rather if they can um, be willing to um, engage with the organization so that they'll be financially independent, so that they'll be able to support um, themselves as well as their, their kids, families, right. their families. And um, when we look at political um, lens, um, you see now it's a campaigning period. And for a candidate who doesn't have, who is not financially stable, um, will not have confidence in going out to campaign simply because she's experiencing menses and she doesn't have access to even that 50 shillings to go and give out for campaign. It's really hard for her to 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 access. So you can imagine uh, um, a woman who is an aspirant from the like a, from a low um, class family or setup who is much willing to like uh, participate in the political um, spaces, but again, she's being limited because of her financial status. That's interesting. Talk about um, the this issue of political aspirants mm -hmm. um, and access, because again, that's not a lens that we hear about very mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. Usually the thought is if there's a woman there who's mm -hmm. Um, vying mm. for a seat, she mm. has some form of support. Yeah. She has some form of financial independence that affords her the ability to stand in front of yeah. people and talk. Yeah. Little do people know that that lens doesn't include the fact that she's also mm. a product of period poverty yeah. and has to consider that. Yeah. Um, are the, these are also people you know personally, right? Yeah, yeah. And so tell us about that lens. It means my period also yeah. stops me from, from politically okay. participating into political activities. And um, when we when we look at uh, the political um, activities or other political aspect, you find that uh, especially aspirants who are running with uh, independent can, uh, independent tickets, they are very uh, like um, I would say vulnerable on, on matters of period poverty because I believe during their menses they will not go out there to campaign because um, they are afraid that uh, they'll have to consume like um, the twelve hours from morning till evening, and uh, they don't have any enough uh, sanitary towel to exchange as well as when they go out there whatever money or rather whatever resources they'll have they'll have to channel it to um, the campaign so that they'll um, like uh, try and convince um, their constituents to vote for them so for women as aspirant it's really hard because for them they have to choose they have to choose between like uh, going to campaign using their resources for campaign money and using the the resources that they have for their men menstrual health or other bodily autonomy. So you've talked about the education disruption. Mm -hmm. You've talked about the economic disruption, having to choose between food for the family and pads. You've talked about the political yeah. um, disruption. I know that there's also a social, social one, yeah. right? I, yeah, I wanted to delve into into that. So with social, uh, with social aspect, you find that um, girls uh, cannot participate in day-to-day uh, -day activities, like let's say uh, sporting activities, the recreational activities or co-curricular activities. And um, it it really means a lot for in terms of human growth and development for one to socialize and interact with uh, their peers. And if a girl at, or rather during her menses, she's not interacting with her peers, then um, her uh, the human growth and development will not like be fully 
fully established or rather will uh, she'll not like uh, be fully developed as a human being mm -hmm. the essence of human growth and development is to ensure that human beings interact and socialize with other human beings and um when we look at participation in sporting activities participation in um activities that they are passionate about like let's say she's passionate about singing she's passionate about dancing it will be really hard for that girl to have confidence to go to go out there to participate in those activities and it means it it means that um in terms of talent nurturing there will be like um going down because uh, those girls will not be able to realize their potential or rather realize their dream because they were limited because um they didn't have access to these uh, products and information. It just in interferes with so many facets of life. There's also, uh, you know, two other things we can go over before we come to CBO, but one of them is, again, along the social lines, it's also what they're forced to do yes. if they don't have access to yes. period yes. Uh, products. Tell yes. us about what you've seen. Uh, so with the social life, when they don't have access to period products, then they are g being given, like, uh, I will say bad choices because you cannot tell me to go and sit to go and dig a hole and sit on that hole or go and, and, and take a banana banana leaves and put it. Those are very bad choices. You cannot give me like bad choices when it comes to like period poverty. So seeing women and girls in the northern region and even from the informal settlement who are who are transacting even sex for sanitary towels, we are having sextortion, matters of um, you know, with water scarcity and um all that, you find women like transacting um transacting material things for access to these products and uh for for our country i think we are really dragging behind on matters of period per, uh, period or rather menstrual health we are dragging behind because um how like we are living in the 21st century how comes we are having still women who are digging hole to uh, <laughs> you even <laughs> you so no it's um to think about it being 2022 and for people to still be in that position, it's hard. And I think yeah, for you, it's it's, it's deeply it's, personal because it's, it's something that you see all the yeah, time. Yeah. And the relationship between mm. periods and violence, because those are some forms of, there's forms of sexual violence. Yeah. Is that also something that yeah, you see? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, okay. So um, with period poverty, um, it's... It has so many effects, I will say. And uh, with violence, I'll, I spoke about the cultural um, when I started. So I'm a, I'm a, I wouldn't say beneficiary, but I'm a victim of um, cultural violence because uh, it denied me access to this product. It infringed my right to access this product. And um, when you talk about period and violence, you find that um, I want to speak from the community that I come in. So women and girls, so it goes like this. It's like a cycle. You come from a poor background. You don't have, um, like, you're not well off. Then your family marries you off to um, to someone who is at least well off. You're being, like, a, after being married off, then you get pregnant while you're still young. After getting pregnant, you don't have even knowledge and information on sexual and reproductive health and rights, sex education and everything. You end up um, contracting um, sex, uh, sexually transmitted diseases and infection. Then in that marriage, since you didn't consent or you didn't have, uh, you are not empowered enough to, 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 to make a choice, then you end up um, again in a violent relationship. So 
period and violence i will say um it's something that um when we when we will not when we don't address period poverty then it means like we will continue women and girls will continue being at risk and exposed to violence you've given us such a wide scope of depth beyond what i think a lot of people may even understand in terms of how period poverty um is a disrupt it's a human rights violation mm. and it infringes on the rights of women and girls to mm. progress mm. it infringes on their ability to have a choice mm. at a better yeah, life yeah. um and i guess that's what inspired you mm. to begin superb cbo tell us a little bit about where the intersection between the work you do mm-hmm. meets period education and mm-hmm. access mm-hmm. um and how you hope that's going to make a difference for girls especially from informal settlements and marginalized communities Um well superb uh I started superb when I exited the girl empowerment program you know it had that transitioning model so for me I was like oh, well I've exited the project and uh, it's they're recruiting more girls but again they're not reaching out to all the like they're not reaching out to most of the girls in the informal settlement so for me I was like uh, someone walked with me so I also like need to go out there and work with other girls whom are uh, the girl empowerment program will not like uh, reach out to them so i i i registered the organization in 2013 and um um as a feminist um we are using the intersectional approach as a woman we are going through different challenges and issues in our day to day life as a muslim woman we are going through a lot of um challenges as a muslim lesbian woman you see as a muslim who is young woman lesbian so um using an intersectional approach means that um when we are addressing issues of period poverty we don't like um we don't look at you are a lesbian we don't look at your age at a, you are you are 40 you need to go out there and work no period poverty for us cuts across and we are looking at now the intersectional approach because as much as we are all women there are so many things that intersect in terms of age ethnicity yes i'm coming from the nubian community but we are also having the borane and somali communities who also experience the same challenges as us and um we also have we also have like us being black women being black again comes with another like um matters to do with human dignity because um black women are being like um teased we are being mocked and um being a black woman in a society where um, skin lightening or rather mm. i don't know how i'll put it it's something that uh, as a black woman the issue of point, colorism yeah colorism uh, so we are looking at so many things when addressing period poverty not only that um you are a woman and a girl no we are looking at um, your age your ethnicity your religion and everything because when it comes to religion again with period poverty you find a particular religion is not like a, into the disposable sanitary towels but for them they're like you need to advocate for reusable sanitary towels because our book says that you are not supposed to throw away your blood and all that so for us is to just look at how we'll be able to like facilitate different models of uh, of menstrual health so that it will accommodate different religion mm-hmm. and um and cultures backgrounds and uh, yeah, what and have been some of the what's been some of the successes since you registered especially taking an intersectional approach what can you say you've managed to achieve today based on being able to 
progress that agenda of saying we're going to take this as an intersectional approach? So um, one of the most um, milestone or other achievement that we've had, we were able to like um, spread our wings to another county that is Mombasa County. And uh, we all know the coastal region with um, the, I think that it is when I, when even now when we do research, it is one of the counties that it's with highest, mm. the highest um, number rate of period poverty because of again with the culture and everything that's in the coastal region. So we were able to like um, have an, a branch. So we re, we started off another initiative, a small initiative uh, on matters of menstrual health last year, July. So we are one year down the line in coastal region. We distributed sanitary, now the reusable sanitary towels because for us, we were looking at a sustainable way. We were looking at um, like a three months from now, four months from now, where are these girls going to access this menstrual product? While even us, like um, two months, three months, we are like... Um, we, we don't have enough sanitary towels at our pad bank. And um, another achievement is uh, with the work that we are doing, we've been able to be, especially me as a champion, I've been able to be recognized and awarded. So in 2019, I was awarded by the um, East African Nubian Awards. That It was 2019 because of the work that I'm doing around menstrual health under the community service category. Then again, I was nominated for the Zuri Awards, still under menstrual health. Then top 35, under 35, that was um, again in partnership with the ministry and um, UNFPA. So the SHE Awards, so um, we are really glad because of the work that we are doing. So many people, as much as we feel like uh, they are not being recognized, people are seeing our work and they are like appreciating our efforts. And those are just things that motivate us to continue doing what we are doing. Yeah, and, and shows you that your voice is needed. Yes, yes. But you were also Menstrual Hygiene Day 2022. Mm, mm. You convened the media yeah. in such a powerful way. I know I was there with you, but I I I do think it was one of, I guess the greatest things we've seen yeah. to have all the media convene mm. um, in Kibra and to have mm. the interest mm. in amplifying menstrual hygiene yeah. day. And the clarion call was very clear. Mm. More budgetary allocation mm -hmm. is needed. Mm. Where are you now with mm. that call to action? Mm. What has shifted? I know mm. it's only been a few months, mm. but what do you think that's done in mm. terms of positioning the conversation on period poverty mm. and how the government needs to listen to champions? Um, to be honest, you know, we did the event. I was not sure that uh, the media person, um, the media people will show up because it was on a Saturday. But again, I was like, I will just do it even if we'll have one media house that will come and like feature our story. And um, surprisingly, we had at least 14 um, media houses on board who like uh, amplified our voices because uh, we believe that media plays a very critical role in matters of um, like amplifying, amplifying our voices to relevant bodies so that action will be taken. So ever since I got a call from one of the national TV stations, to go and address, okay, so the, we, we have this political party, you know, we are, we are in here, we are nonpartisan. <laughs> so um, she called so that I can go and respond 
to one of the political party manifestos that wanted to address matters to do with menstrual health. Mm -hmm. So for me, I felt that um, during the menstrual hygiene uh, day, when we convened the media and did a press, uh, a press release, it reached out. They amplified our voices to different stakeholders. And uh, them coming up with the matters of menstrual health in their manifesto, it means that they had our call. And um, unfortunately, I was not able to go and sit and uh, discuss the the manifesto because I was being called so that I can speak in regards to them having matters of menstrual health in their manifesto. Mm -hmm. And again, seeing the Siaya County um, launching the period uh, period uh, program and are uh, looking forward to even um, spread it to other counties. It's one of the things that I'm also proud of because I believe um, they saw they saw that headline or rather highlight somewhere. Mm -hmm. And as politicians, you know, politicians usually love like grabbing what's trending so that they'll be like they'll be well known and, uh, you know, the PR and everything. As long as it so, serves the purpose yeah, of girls and exactly. women, that's that's good. The only thing that they need to recognize is that it's yeah. not a trend. It's yeah. not a, it's not a, I keep saying it's not a vibe. Yeah. The periods are yeah. real and they're daily and yeah. they're, and they're all the time. Um, where, I, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to mention something. Yeah, you can mention and, something because we're mm. almost um, running out. But yeah, you can go ahead and mention that. <laughs> okay, so what made us to do the press conference? Uh, it was as a result of uh, MPs like um, reducing the budget allocation for sanitary towels, and uh, for us, we were like, um, we just uh, the Ministry of Health just launched the menstrual health strategy and policy. How comes now like um, menstrual health is really like um, menstrual health issues is going down the drain. It's not like being addressed as per the menstrual health strategy and policy that um, our CS um, launched. So again, I went to the shop and bought sanitary towels for 60 shillings. Eh, that one made me like go nuts. I was like, I'm going to make a lot of noise on Twitter until it reaches out to relevant bodies. So again, another organization reached out and they were like, where did you get this information? How can we like sort of support support your organization? And for me, I was like, I we wanted to plan even for a protest just for now the politicians to have matters of menstrual health in their manifestos. When they get in the government, they address in for the, for the 100 days they'll be in their office, they address matters of menstrual health as well. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing because you you know you you really fueled by it's something that's I think I mentioned it previously with somebody else you you wake up every day thinking about this fight and I I know what that feels like it's amazing to see you at the front lines you're at the front lines and you're in the trenches and you're up front but mm. you're also behind mm. the scenes mm. and I know it can't be easy mm. because social justice is mm. isn't easy right mm. it's an mm. everyday it's triggering mm. it's traumatic mm. it's disturbing because you come face to face with these issues every day mm. but I think what you're doing is so incredible I think lending your voice in the way that you're doing it mm. and growing your organization in the way that you're growing it mm. is so necessary for this day and age yeah it is necessary for this day and age. So the days when you're out there saying, I'm going to plan a protest and make noise, just know your voice is needed um, and that you're not alone. Mm. And, and as much as it can feel like an isolating battle sometimes, um, the biggest thing I think we need to do is make sure that it's known 
Mm-hmm. That menstrual health has to be prioritized because mm-hmm. it's to your point, Yasmin. It's yeah, been deprioritized. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think about many years ago, and mm-hmm. we highlighted it in the media because the story came out. They hiked up the budget, mm-hmm. but the moment people went quiet, mm-hmm. they lowered it. Exactly. And so, mm-hmm. part of again what we try to do on this platform mm-hmm. is to make a case for menstrual health every mm-hmm. week. Is mm-hmm. to say this is a daily reality mm-hmm. for people around the world. Mm-hmm. When you sit in your office and lower the budgetary mm-hmm. allocation, mm-hmm. you're locking more girls out of an education. Exactly. And so I think the final question I have for you, which is loaded and you've probably already spoken to it, mm-hmm. is how do you hope this is going to change in the next few years? Are you hopeful that we're going to make enough noise to make people say, okay, we're increasing the budgetary allocation and we're including voices like Yasmin's at the table? Are you hopeful and if so, what do you hope that will turn into? Um, yes, I'm hopeful because um, I can see some two small baby steps with um, individual or other different political leaders or even different stakeholders. But again, for me, I want to emphasize on the strategy because uh, it's a five-year plan. And um, if uh, we don't implement that strategy, then it means that uh, we'll every day wake up to new things to um, um, prices being hiked on on uh, menstrual uh, products. So I'm hopeful that uh, one day menstrual health will be addressed. I'm hopeful that um, one day period, uh, sanitary towel will be free just like condoms because, um, again, I forgot to speak about our sanitary pad dispenser. So for us, we if now condom is free, why is it that... Um, they are selling sanitary towels and yet sex is a choice while menstruation is not. So I'm hopeful that um, one day uh, we will live in a society where girls will just, will just pop in in a washroom and um, take like pick sanitary towels from the washroom or even public spaces. And um, again, I'm looking forward to like um, my voice being heard. And uh, again, you spoke about being invited um, on top of decision-making tables. And uh, if we are not invited, I think we'll invite ourselves. Today, Nani, CS, um, Magoha, no, not Magoha, Mutahi Kagwe is launching the reproductive health um, policy. I'm really eager to know um, if they have incorporated or rather integrated menstrual health in that policy. Because again, I have a lot of questions. I think I'll even call the media or rather send an SMS just to like challenge them. We have another policy because uh, it's on matters of uh, of reproductive health and they're launching another policy today at nine. Was it at nine or two? So I think it was actually at two. At two. Yeah. So I, I really have a lot of questions. We, are, we, we do have very good frameworks, very good policies, but yet implementation is the issue. So I really don't know if it's uh, resources that uh, we are lacking resources for implementation. But again, when I look at how we are being taxed, it's equi- it's equivalent to like um, having enough resources for implementation of such policies. It's the lack of prioritization. Exactly. They're prioritizing it, other things and leaving other things behind. Yeah, things yeah. that really matters a lot to us um, human beings, especially women. I feel like you're going to need to come back at some point on this podcast because there's so much more that we need to explore, so much more. But the good thing is the steps are there. The steps are there Mm. in terms of people using their platforms. Yeah, even the policy itself, it's a step. The policy is a step. It was Mm. launched in 2020. You're you're totally right. We need to push Mm. for the implementation. Mm. Um, Do they have a task force? 
they were supposed to launch a task force. Mm. They were supposed to launch a task force and they've been delaying on it for reasons that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so they always say when you when you're loud enough you silence the bullies. Mm. So I think what we need to do mm. is be really loud and intentional. Mm. Mm. Um Yasmin, it's been such a joy to have you and I feel like we're going to call you back probably several more times mm-hmm. because of all the different facets of life that mm. period poverty mm. disrupts. Mm. But right now we just want to thank you so much for lending your voice and your passion and your resources for everything that you do you are seen and heard and at least thank leave you. here knowing <laughs> that you are seen and heard and that whatever you're doing is it's shaking the tree um and so shake the tree along with a lot of us who mm. have you know who support you mm. and i i just think we need to really make so much noise that yeah. they have no choice but thank to you. hear us thank so you. thank you so much for coming on thank you thank you for supporting us thank you for working with women at grassroots thank you for amplifying our voices to um different relevant bodies and we're looking forward to continue engaging with you because um you are our role model at Mashinani. And um, if we have someone like you who sits at uh, high-level meetings, who gets to interact with us on a day um, on, on a daily basis, then we believe that our voices will be heard. Even if 10 years from now I'll not be able to sit on those tables, I know Janet will be able to air our grievances. Janet will be able to air our issues and actions will be taken. So thank you very much for your effort and we celebrate you as well. Oh, thank you. That is so nice. We'll build our own table, Yasmin. Yes. Forget those tables. We'll build our own and we'll call everyone on. But thank you sure. so much. Welcome. Okay. Thank you for listening to my First Time Stories podcast, where we're pushing for menstrual justice one story at a time.